Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Nature Boost. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation, and I'm very excited about this episode today. We're talking about a real seasonal activity that so many people enjoy in the warmer months, and I'm talking about fishing. And here with me to give me more insight into this activity is MDC's new wildlife artist, Alexis Joyce. She goes by AJ. And AJ, I'm so happy that you're taking the time to talk with me because you are a very accomplished bass angler. Thank you so much. That means a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I've heard. The the rep, your reputation around the office is that you're just you're killing it in the in the fishing game. Well, I'm glad that it's spreading a little bit. It's something I enjoy. So, <laughs> so how long have you been fishing? Oh gosh, in reality, since I was a little kid, um, we used to always catfish when I was little. But bass fishing. Probably since high school, so maybe about 10 years, just before high school, so probably about 10 years. How many tournaments have you been in? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know that I could even count now. I've been fishing tournaments probably about since the same time as starting, um, and here recently, within the past few years, it's picked up pace a lot. So, I mean, I'm fishing anywhere between 5 to 10, maybe 15 tournaments a year oh, now. wow. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> what really fostered your love for fishing what was it just your family is your family big big anglers a little bit of that it was a good pastime to spend with family um it was also a big thing with nature I love being out in nature it's another way to enjoy it it's also got a little bit of a mental stimulation to it too it's relaxing to me but also presents a challenge at the same time for me to figure out so it can be a lot of fun to enjoy with family with friends by yourself (laughs) Well, and that and this is something that I know listeners probably get sick of me talking about this because I bring it up almost every episode. But there's so much research about how being in green spaces, near blue spaces, near water, how that's just so relaxing and it's good for your for your mental and your physical health. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it was a big thing for me in college. It it was like an escape from all the like heavy workloads. Oh, it's sure. just to escape and go on the water even for an hour. I mean, it made a world of difference to my mentality and my work ethic. It was amazing. And just a great way to de-stress, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So let's get into this. So I really want to talk about if you've never fished before, you know, what are the absolute basics that you need to know about? And so the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, if you're going to go out on a fishing trip, you need to do it the proper way. And obviously getting a permit yeah. <laughs> is, is very, is very important. Very, very important. You don't want to get caught by the law in the water. <laughs> <laughs> by Johnny Law. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about this earlier. A great thing for people to know about, you know, we all have our phones with us. They're kind of an extension of us these days. Um, but it's great because uh, MDC has the Mo Outdoor, or excuse me, Mo Fishing app that you can get your fishing permit on this app. And then that way it's just always right on your phone and it's very easy to keep with you. Very easy. I used it myself and it's a world of difference on the levels of easiness of access and finding it and keeping it with you. So definitely check out the Mo Fishing app. You can get your license on there. It's fairly cheap to get your your fishing license. It's $12 and that's for the whole year. And then you're totally set. Don't have to worry about it. Keep it on your phone and then you can just go out and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy your day of fishing. So the next thing we should talk about is 
obviously what type of gear. What do you need to bring with you? So what do you uh, suggest for somebody who's just a total novice at this, an absolute beginner? Just starting off, definitely your fishing rod, your fishing reel, which goes on the rod. You have your tackle, so that can range from any sort of complexity. You've got your hooks, you've got your lures. I know a lot of people starting off like to use either live bait, like minnows or worms. Some people like to use like doe baits that are just a ball of a mishmash of things that the fish really like, which you can make them at home or you can buy bags of them and they're great for like catfish and stuff. Dough? Yeah, dough. <laughs> so are you just like balling up some, some just bread or just it's like a little raw? bit of everything? I don't know what all goes into it. I haven't used them in forever. To be fair, the bag versions of them smell awful. <laughs> I don't know what's in them, but they smell awful. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard of that before. Yeah, okay. it's, it's interesting. There's also uh, just using like household foods that you have, hot dogs, bread. Don't give the bread to the birds, but give the bread to the fish. Right, right. <laughs> and then there's the artificial side, which a lot of bass fishermen use, which is things that resemble the fish or crawdads, crawfish. There's other sorts of resemblances that they have out there that are to mimic what the f- fish usually eat. So you need those things. You need your permit. Uh, sunscreen. <laughs> that's, that's, see, and that's a good thing, too. You may not think about that. You're going to be outside for a few hours. You know, you can get a sunburn in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, from personal experience and what I've always heard through the grapevine, is if you're going to put on sunscreen, use a spray one. The fish don't like it if they can, if you've handled a lure while having sunscreen on your hands. If you used like a rub-on sunscreen, yeah. Oh, pro tip. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I've never like really tested the theory before. Yeah. But I've always heard it. That and don't take bananas on the boat. <laughs> don't, what, don't take bananas on the boat? Yeah, it's what apparently is- like a... It gives you karma if you take a banana on the boat. I've never had an issue oh, with like it. Oh, like bad karma? Yeah, like oh, bad okay. karma. And I'm like, okay, I've taken a banana on the boat, admittedly, right. a few times. It, it Nothing ever happened. But I know some people that you don't take a banana on the boat whatsoever. Do you know the history of that? Like where that came from? I have no idea. It's been passed down for a long time. I mean, tournament anglers always talk about it. Don't bring a banana on the boat. It's crazy. I'm going to have to look that up. I want to know the history of that. Okay. But yeah, maybe just if you're safe, if you're if you're going out fishing, don't, yeah, don't bring a banana don't on the boat. Don't bring a banana. Yeah. Eat your potassium before you go out for the day okay so we talked about we need your permit you you need your gear you know some type of tackle bait whether it be you know artificial or fake sunscreen obviously we said bring a hat yeah sunglasses as well sunglasses are really nice polarized are even better oh yeah yeah (laughs) and then obviously you want to stay hydrated i'm the worst about drinking water on the water are you it's a perfect reminder because you're on the water and you yep. need some, but... It never crosses my mind when I'm out there. Well, and it seems to be the like the... It almost dehydrates you more to be oh, yeah. near the water. Oh, if, yeah. If you're... I could be hydrated before getting on the water and then I get off and I'm severely dehydrated. It takes a lot out of you, especially in the summer months. Oh, sure. Whenever it gets really, really hot. Yeah. So be sure, yeah, be sure to bring like a little cooler, some drinks with you. Stay safe out there because it is possible. You know, you you feel really bad after, oh, yeah. you know, being outside all day and it's really hot and then it's like, ah, kind of. It wears on you. It does. It really does. <laughs> 
Okay, something else I wanted to talk about that I think is really important to note whenever you are going out to fish is proper etiquette. Yeah. And being aware of your surroundings and other anglers near you. What do you suggest that people remember as as they go out? A big thing, at least starting off, is to give yourself space. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're too close to other people, just starting off, you risk tying up with their lines when you cast. You risk possibly hitting somebody. So just give yourself ample space starting off. Get a feel for your rod and how to cast. Be respectful to others if they're on fish and they have asked you not to fish their spot, maybe go somewhere else, even if the fish are there. Another big thing is like around docks and stuff. If you're fishing either on lakes or some ponds have personal docks on them, be respectful that that might be somebody else's property. If you're allowed to be on it, if you're not allowed to be on it, getting your lure stuck on it, try and get them off if you can. And then just picking up after yourself once you're done fishing or even while you're fishing. I mean, we constantly retie in bass fishing at least. And it's just a simple matter of putting your cutoff line in your bag and taking it home with you to throw away in your trash can and not on the ground. Or your lures that you leave sitting on the bank. Make sure you pick them up and put them back in your bag and just throw them away when you get home. Don't leave them out there for the wildlife to get into. (laughs) That is such an important thing to note. Leaving no trace whenever you're in nature, no matter what you're doing, hiking, fishing, hunting, you want to leave it better than than how you found it. And that is so true. Um, There's a park that I take my dog to a lot that has a little pond that people fish in and he loves to swim. He, I just can't, I can't stop that dog from jumping in the water. There's no, nothing can stop him. And so it always, it makes me a little worried because, you know, sometimes I'll see that people have left their hooks, yeah. you know, their lines and it's like, oh, it's really scary. It Kids is. swim in a lot of these ponds. Yeah. I mean, make sure you're picking up your hooks. There's, it's one thing to lose a hook in the water because you got it stuck in a tree or stuck in a rock at the very bottom of the lake. I don't expect you to dive down and go get that (laughs) but around the shore and everything make sure you pick up after yourself absolutely so something else I would like to discuss with you is where would be a good spot for somebody just starting out to fish do you think uh, they should try for like a bigger lake or like a smaller pond what would be more doable starting off My rule of thumb is usually always to start smaller. There's a little bit of variation to that because some people enjoy the big lakes. I'm a big lake person, so I love getting out on a boat and getting to explore a whole lake. But if you're just starting off, it's really good to just start on a small pond. The fish can't go many places in a small pond, so you're not as crazy-minded trying to think of where the fish could be in a big spot. I mean, you get to cast more water doing that. I mean, you can learn how to cast. You can get familiar with your stuff. There's a tendency that smaller ponds don't get hit as hard sometimes, so you might be on your own out there, or there might just be a couple people versus a big popular lake where there's a lot of people to compete against. Yeah, that's something good to note is that starting off small is better than biting off yeah, more than you can chew, exactly, so to speak. Exactly. So tell me about, I keep reading this thing online where they call it reading the water. <laughs> so what? tell me more about that. Reading the water kind of encompasses um, looking to where the fish might be hiding at. Another piece of it is the water clarity. Certain places can be a lot muddier or dirtier than others, and some can be 
crystal clear. Like rivers sometimes have a lot of crystal clear areas. So it's kind of understanding where those fish could go in those situations. Um, Usually in dirtier water, they like to hold more to structure, even in like clear water. I mean, you can see them a lot of times of where they're located at, but they could be anywhere. So it's just learning how to understand that. There's also, and it's kind of varies sometimes, but seeing the bait fish population and seeing if they're flickering on the surface means that there's usually another fish underneath them eating. So it's a good sign as to where the fish might be. Now there's no telling if it's a bass or a bluegill, Sure, but usually that's a good sign too that there's life in this pond. The fish are probably underneath there. It's a big thing on main lakes seeing that sort of thing. We follow bait fish patterns a lot because the bass usually tend to follow those bait fish and feed from them. So it's a good sign um, looking for that. Birds, if birds are feeding in one area, they're a good sign that there's probably bait fish there too, that they might not be surfacing, but you know that they're there and bigger fish are sure to follow. Oh, I didn't even know looking at other wildlife could yeah. be a clue oh, as yeah. to where they are. A lot of people won't go fish an area if there's not a single bird in it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's an awesome indicator. Tell me more about weather. Does the weather, weather Yeah, affect? weather plays a huge factor. A good rule of thumb for me is usually just before storms, there's lower air pressure. So it causes the fish to feed up more and start getting full because once the high pressure returns after a storm is passed, they come become more lethargic and slower. So they're harder to get to bite after a storm. But then you have like the simple things of just like an overcast day versus a bluebird sky day. Bluebird skies, especially in the summer, they like to hide under like shaded areas. I was going to say yeah. under the shade. Yeah, a lot so cooler. that it's a little bit cooler or they'll even go deeper. If, the, if there's deeper spots in the pond or a lake, they'll go to that deeper water so it's a little bit cooler. And then in the overcast days, they'll become a little more shallow, come out of the hiding a little bit and feed then too. You've got wind. Wind plays a huge factor as well. Oh, how so? It can push the bait fish around a lot on the surface. So they'll follow, they'll tend to follow those bait fish, but there's little things that you get in the water, whether it be a tree sticking out or a tree that's fallen over in the water that can create like a barrier from the wind and the fish will load up behind that barrier. Kind of congregate around Yeah, there. because they're not being pushed around. The bait fish are right there. And so they can attack the bait fish without the issue of wind pushing them around. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so today is... We're, we, it's been raining, <laughs> at least in Jefferson City, for it feels like three weeks straight. And it's overcast today, this morning, but yeah. we do have some rain in the forecast later today. So I'm hopeful... That maybe we Crossing can catch my fingers. that we can catch a fish. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I, I think and very important to note. You know, keep an eye on the weather on, on when you're going out because that that kind of tells you how active the fish are going to be and plays a role in where you might find them. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready to get out there. Oh, I'm ready too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break, but whenever we come back, AJ and I are going to head out to the pond and see what we can reel in. Stay tuned.
The good life. Wide open spaces, fresh air, fun times. Missourians are getting hooked on fishing. Enjoying a relaxing time outdoors with their favorite people. Catching a smile with bluegill, bass, or catfish. And discovering new places close to home. Let us help you get started fishing or take it to the next level with free classes and equipment loaner programs near you. Go to MissouriConservation.org and search Discover Nature Fishing. And enjoy the good life. And welcome back to Nature Boost. I'm here with AJ. We're at a pond outside of MDC headquarters here in Jefferson City. So what do you have for me today as far as gear? For you, we have a spinning rod or an open face rod. It's about the simplest rod that I have in my arsenal. Mm -hmm. There's also a spin cast rod, which is another good basic beginner rod and reel combination. It's great for people who use it for catfishing, too. I know a lot of catfishers use that. Mm -hmm. But for you, I've got the spinning rod. And I was going to give you an artificial lure, but I'm kind of partial to giving you a hot dog. And then I use artificial and see what happens. <laughs> okay. I like, I like, yeah, I like the, the let's do a, no, let's try both. Yeah. And then, and then see what, see what, we, what happens. Okay. That sounds perfect. Awesome. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it together. That's another gear, good gear thing is. Clippers. Having clippers on you? Yeah, clippers and pliers, because pliers are good for when you're handling the fish or trying to get the hook out, mm -hmm. um, and clippers so that you can clip your line and not use your teeth. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> yeah, it'll hurt your teeth if you're not careful. Just regular nail clippers? Nail clippers, scissors, a pocket knife. Anything. anything. Yeah, anything with a sharp edge to it. <laughs> that you can, you can use to cut? Yeah. Okay, good to know. Something, something good to have in your tackle box. That works. And so how do you suggest tying your hook on your line? Just keeping it simple or are there special knots that there's, you know of? There's special knots to use. Um, I always use what's called a uh, polymer knot mm -hmm. and it's about the simplest as they come and the most reliable to me. It's the only one I ever really used. Um, but there's, I mean, there's probably hundreds of different knot tying techniques that you can have. There's some in bass fishing that work best for top water to get more action out of the lure if you tie it a certain way. Um, so a lot of it just comes down to Googling it and figuring out which might work best for you. But the polymer knot's always a good, handy, reliable, trusty knot. <laughs> okay, good to know. That's the one you recommend. All right, so we've got cut up hot dogs on my hook. And yeah. what are we going to have on yours? On mine, um, so I'm actually using what's known as a baitcaster setup. It's a common one for bass fishing, but it's really challenging to learn how to use them properly. But what I'm using, I've got three different ones here so that I can encompass all the spectrums. <laughs> so I'm probably going to put on a lizard-esque bait. It's like a natural predator instinct for bass to go against the lizards. So it kind of instigates a little bit of aggression out of them sometimes. And yesterday when I was out here, that's what they hit on before. So it's reliable. Yeah, all right. All right. Let's, let's see if we can if we can get it again. So it looks like a little lizard? Yeah, it looks like a little lizard. It has like little... The arms on it are curled a little bit, so in the water they make like a paddling motion, awesome. and the vibrations attract the fish to it. What is this? It's a chartreuse dip, but it's scented like garlic. I don't know. It's always handy to me to use it. I dip the tails a lot of time in it because the chartreuse color attracts the fish a little bit more. I can smell that yeah. over here. It's... It's potent. It is potent. Sure. And look how green the yeah. neon his tail looks now. It's great, too, for, I mean, these conditions, the overcast, it allows better visibility on the bait oh, because of that neon yeah, color. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's handy. <laughs> Are you cool if I cast? I don't care. Go okay. for it. Okay. All right. Uh, 
I'm trying to... See, that's the thing. It's hard to... Nice. Was that good? Yeah, that was a really good one. Thank you. Oh my gosh, AJ, if, if you say it's good, it must be good. Especially with just using hot dogs. <laughs> Makes it a little lighter. Oh my gosh, I'm literally just watching them eat this hot dog off this hook. So with yours, you're just constantly casting, reeling it back in, and is it's that movement that, yeah, that they're looking for? Yeah, this is definitely one that requires a lot of movement. Um, it can be retrieved either slow or fast. It kind of just depends on what the fish want. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of try it in a variety of ways. Let it sink or burn it across the top, too. It has its own methods and... Seeing what the fish like and take yeah. kind of gives you insight on how they want it. Well, now we're out here and it's just lightly sprinkling. So what do you think the fish are doing now? Just they got to still... be feeding. Yeah. I got to imagine they're feeding on something. It's that right time for them to. I can't believe that fish just, I literally just <laughs> watched it take the hot dog off the hook. Pick at it. Yeah, it was. It was just picking at it. Have you ever been casting a bird or something has taken? I haven't. I've had a friend who had an owl try and take his lure oh multiple my, times. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I have fought with a crane before because it sat there. I would cast and it would try and take my lure. It was a top water, top water lure and it would follow it and then try and grab it off oh, top of the water. Oh my and then gosh. I would cast opposite direction and he would move. And go and chase it, and then I cast back the other direction, and he would move and chase it. I was so frustrated with that darn bird. Did it eventually stop, or did no. you have to go to a different area? I had area? to move, and then it tried to follow me to where I moved. And thankfully, an osprey came down and like spooked it, and it flew off. And I was able to like really get away from it before it came back and tried to do anything else. Oh wow! Do a couple quick ones down further. This is how dedicated we are. Yeah. Or I should, more so you. <laughs> a couple quick ones down here. <laughs> it's the stubborn in me. <laughs> so deceiving because you'll hit stuff on the bottom that feels like a bite. Yeah. And you have... There you go. Oh, oh what? Look at it. Oh, dang. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What kind Wait. of fish? That's a bass. That's a bass? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a large mouth. Hi, buddy. <laughs> we didn't think we'd see you today. You're Look nice at that me. guy. Dang. You're a nice little guy. Would you call that a lunker? Mm. <laughs> he's, a, he's a little puny. <laughs> how, much, how much do you think he weighs? Not even a pound. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. But he's a good 12 inches. He's a, yeah, like, that's a, I think that's a pretty okay size. But, you know, he here I am. He about three more inches to be a keeper, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you try to run away. at that. Nice. There you go. There's your fish. There he is. <laughs> little fishy. Little fish guy. <laughs> Get you back in the water, buddy. <laughs> Once you catch one, you, you just, you got the, you got the fish I fever, got, huh? Yep. <laughs> Literally what it is. <laughs> It's the adrenaline. It's the. It's the. Oh, I got one. It's that the, means there's more. Yeah. Whenever you do catch one, 
what do you do then? Make sure to safely take it off the hook. Yeah, you want to take it off the hook, which you can use pliers if it's hard to get to. Um, you want to try and do as little damage to the fish as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good if you're closer to the water, which we weren't, and we didn't have access to it, but to usually wet your hands before trying to like touch the skin of the fish. Oh, really? Um, Why is that? It, you're taking off their natural coating of slime oh. if you're touching it with dry, bare hands. Okay. So it, it helps it a little bit. You don't always have to do it. It's not a huge deal. But you want to try and handle it as little as possible with dry hands, towels. Try not to touch it with towels, that sort of thing. And what about with their fins on the top? You want to, yeah, you want to be careful of those. You want to watch out for the fins on the top. Um, Catfish, if you're fishing for catfish, also have their, like, whiskers that you want to watch out for. But the fins on the top are they are something else. They can be pretty sharp. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I mean, I was kayak fishing this past weekend, and I had one in the boat with me that wouldn't stop flopping around. Uh-huh. And, I mean, his dorsal fin went right into my leg. Oh, yeah. It was not fun. <laughs> so how do you recommend if people end up holding it to, to grab it a certain it, way? hold um, it, at least for bass, um, we tend to hold them by their mouths. By the mouth. Um, you lip them. But you can also hold like right around their gill plates mm-hmm. and it helps if you kind of squeeze down on their gill plates you're not don't bear down on right. it yeah don't but if you hold it strong enough that you know you're not going to lose the fish mm-hmm. um, it helps also like calm them a little bit and stabilize them more mm-hmm. um, and then that way you're also not risking dorsal fin that's true in the hand you're kind of steering clear of that um so, but with other fish, it all kind of depends. I know um, a lot of people will use like pliers or like fish grips to handle other types of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, bluegill are kind of like bass. You can lip them. I mean, it's hard. Their mouths are puny. Yeah. Um, but It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. But like catfish and stuff, they're so slimy that I've seen more people just either grab them full on or they'll use like a grip of some sort to mm-hmm. grab them by. Safe handling, depending on what type of fish you end up catching. Be careful of the of the dorsal fin. Don't, like, stab yourself on the hook or anything, Yeah, too. definitely watch out for the hook. Well, do you have anything else to add? I know you're so determined. You keep casting I know, right I now. keep casting. I Just go out and have fun. Just, yeah, go out and have fun. Don't overthink like I do. <laughs> Fishing gets so in-depth so quick. But just start easy. Don't overwhelm yourself. Yeah, start with the absolute basics. You can go out and fish with just your pole and line and some worms. Yeah, you, know, you don't even have to move along the bank like I do. I, I do that simply because there's so many options. But, I mean, you can just sit there on the bank and stay in the same one place all day. And I'm sure you'll catch something. <laughs> well, AJ, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and taking me out fishing. Thank you for for tuning in to another episode of Nature Boost. AJ, thank you so much for all the info today. Thank you. This was a fun time. It was a fun time. I I always enjoy getting to go fish a little bit more. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, guys. If you need more information on fishing in Missouri, be sure to check out MissouriConservation.org or download the Mo Fishing app. Such a good app to have on your cell phone. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation, urging you to get your daily dose of the outdoors. Hear that bird? Uh, <laughs> but I want to participate. It wants to fish too.